Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. A reading from 2 Samuel chapter 5 and chapter 6. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. David again brought together all the young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all of his men went to Baalah in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which they called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim of the Ark. They set the Ark of God on a new new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, son of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it, and Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. Our second reading from the lectionary is Psalm 150. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are you familiar with what's going on in the world? Yeah. Difficult time right now. Conflict in Ukraine, of course, that's been going on for over a year. Conflict in Israel and Palestine, which most recently started October 7th, so this is just over two weeks now, right? And I'm sure you've seen the stories of uh, just death, destruction, terrible, terrible things. And it's messy, it's complicated, it's full of loss. There is not a happy part of, of the story that goes around. It's just devastating all around, and it will continue. Uh, The question that I had thought in my mind was, 
how many supposed peace summits have there been over the decades? Really, they're just, well, let's take a time out from conflict. It's not really peace in that sense, which is disheartening. We'd, we'd really love to have a, a situation that ends up being fixed, cured of what all the stuff. This, this, is, this is stuff that has been going on for a long, long time. And I'm sure that you've also probably seen, you know, there's people that are holding rallies for one side or the other, and then people are either losing their jobs or all sorts of stuff. And I'm not here to cast a judgment on any, any of it because it's way beyond what I can comprehend. I just know that there is destruction and it is disheartening. And we would really love to have things cleaned, to have a cure, but that seems impossible. And I'm wondering if maybe we're hoping for the wrong thing. I recently, in the last couple of weeks, I have friends who are Palestinian and I have friends who are Jewish, and I've just checked in with them with the same exact statements. I'm checking in with you. How are you doing? And they have the same response. I'm devastated. I have family who are, who are there and I keep checking on them to make sure they're all right. And both, both sides are experiencing this loss and this messiness. Our readings Today, the, the, the narrative lectionary gives us two readings. It gives us this, these passages from 2 Samuel, two different chapters, and then Psalm 150, which is uh, this nice combination uh, of things. You get the, the narrative part of the anointing of David and then the, the attempting of the moving of the ark, followed by the psalm, which is probably what would have been Sung as they right as we hear in, in the second half of that reading, it gives us the sense of, of what they were experiencing. And it's a nice reading. It's nice. It's very, very nice. <laughs> it's very sanitized of what's going on. We get this little portion, and everybody is happy, and everybody is great, and everybody's getting along wonderfully and we're celebrating and we're dancing. Do you think that's real? That's a piece of it. You get a sanitized version of what's going on. So I want to get, and, and this is really important because just like what we experience in life, things are messy in scripture. They're complicated, they're full of loss. And in these stories in particular, the surrounding context is full of betrayal, murder, power struggles, violence, relationship problems, and more. Scripture is often like a soap opera of sorts, except I haven't seen anywhere where there's like a, a twin brother zombie who shows up because of some alien, right? You know, like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> 
So I, I want to I give you a little bit of, of context around this because the question we have to deal with is as, as wonderful as everything sounds, once we get some of the context, then the question is, what's the good news? So at the very, so the context very simply is Saul has died in battle, and Jonathan, his son, who David loved dearly, has died with him in battle. There's a vacancy at the for the king of Israel because the king has died, and so David mourns for Saul and Jonathan, and how how Saul dies is really important. He's been mortally wounded in battle. And so he calls over to one of his loyal soldiers and says, I ain't going to make this. Can you put me out of my misery? I'm summarizing. (laughs) Can you put me out of my misery? And so the loyal soldier says, yes, of course, my king. And so he, he kills him, puts him out of his misery. And then he goes to David and reports. And David says, how do you know this? Well, because I'm the one that I was with Saul when he died. He asked me to do this. And so I did. And so David gets really upset and says, how dare you kill God's anointed one? Guards, take this man and kill him. That's, that's how 2 Samuel, uh, Samuel starts. <laughs> and it just goes from there. So David is anointed king of Judah, the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. And Saul's son is, an, and I'm, it's uh, Ishbaal, is anointed the king of of the northern tribes. And Abner, who is the general of Saul, puts, puts Ishbaal in charge. And so how do you think that, that holds up? They have a civil war. They have a fight because there's this vacancy in leadership and they fight back and forth. There's lots of death and destruction. There's a battle, all sorts of great stuff. And then... As things happen, Abner gets really upset and he defects to David. And, and David's general, Joab, I don't know if you can keep up with all this. <laughs> it's, all, it's all in the book. Um, <laughs> they've got personal grudge against each other, these two generals. And, and Abner is providing this wonderful information and all this. And so David says, you can go free. Thank you very much. You have been a service. You know, I'm not upset at you. And, but Joab still has a grudge, and so he hunts down Abner and kills him. This is great stuff. Like, who, I don't know who thinks that uh, the Bible is um, boring. And then there's the assassination of Ishbaal, Saul's son, who, remember, was king over the northern tribes, He's assassinated, and so that leaves who? David. He has survived. (laughs) That's where we pick up in chapter 5. All of the political drama 
the death, the betray- there's betrayals in here that I didn't even go through. David wants his wife, who had been married off to uh, one of Saul's sons. So David wants his wife back, but she's upset. It's intrigue, all that type of stuff. That's all in there too. Um, and so then we get this, where we get to today. And, and, it's, and we have these wonderful stories. But by the way, we skip an attack by the Philistines. That's in the middle of these two chapters that we read. There's an attack that happens between David being anointed king and saying, hey, we're going to move the capital and the Ark of the Covenant up. Remember, and then the, the second part of, of this reading talks about moving the Ark of the Covenant and they attempt to do this, and you know, there's all the singing and dancing and all this type of stuff, and it's on a cart, and it was brought up. Uh, Rose, you, you said this. What on a cart in the ancient Near East? How how level is uh, are things? Not as I had said. Rome isn't on the scene yet. They haven't made these wonderful roads, and so what happens? And you'll see it in, in, in here, these, these two folks, Uzzah and, and Ahio, who are the sons of Abinadad, who have been taking care of the ark. There's a whole story along with that. I'm not going to go into that. Uh, but they've been taking care of it. And so Ahio is in the front leading the, uh, the oxen and the cart and all this. And Uzzah is essentially beside. And they hit a bump and it starts to fall. And Uzzah puts his hand out and touches the ark to steady it. And you don't do that. And he's struck dead by God for touching the ark. That's the context in very quick summary form, leaving out some of the other stuff. <laughs> That's the context of what these stories are, are what's going on in this reading. We get the sanitized version. Oh, everybody's going to come down because David is wonderful. Eh, he survived. He survived the war, the civil war. He's killed off enemies. There's this weird thing going on that Saul tried to kill him, and yet he still has this loyalty to this family. And, it's, and, and, and David went to the Philistines for a while and led the Philistines on attacking Israel. His story is so fascinating because he even has betrayal. So in the midst of all that mess, what's the good news? What's the good news? That's the question we have to ask. This is what, when I read this, and all the and, and the context and everything, and I'm going, what do I do with this? How do I preach this? Right, that's, that's what you're all paying me to do. <laughs> How do. What do I do with this? How does this make sense? It doesn't make sense. But what's the good news? Good news doesn't have to make sense. It's just good news. The good news is that God shows up in the midst of the mess and works with what's there. In the midst of the mess, of the betrayal, 
of the killing, of the violence, God still shows up. God doesn't promise us a nice, sanitized version of reality. God shows up in reality, in the midst of a mess, of death, of destruction, of complication and loss. God always shows up in the midst of that. Lutheran theology, Luther, Luther wrote, um, as part of the Heidelberg Disputation, uh, it was something he was making some arguments, and, he t- and what ends up being called the theology of the cross. And the theology of the cross is this wonderful theological idea. Think about what the cross is. It's this terrible, terrible, terrible punishment. Right? We often think, oh, you know, God did this. No, this is humanity created the cross. And God willingly suffers through the worst that humanity can offer. And it's when God is most present, is in the horridness. That's when God is most present. Because we have a God who doesn't try to sanitize everything because God has given us free will and we ain't going to be perfect. And yet God continues to show up. I I read this. There's an article from 2017 from a website called Core Christianity, and it's what is the theology of the cross? And there's a couple of paragraphs here that I think give us a nice summary. The theology of the cross helps us understand the fullness of what it means to be human, and thus how broken humanity is. The theology of the cross points us to the center of our humanity, our trust in Jesus Christ. From the foot of the cross, we see how wrong we were, because we did not love and trust in Yahweh above all things. We witness to the God who calls us to trust him. And then there's this one little conclusion part. Successful human life begins by learning to trust. And trust accompanies those who can live at peace throughout the progression of their lives. The theology of the cross leads us to place our lives in God's hands through the power of the Holy Spirit rather than try to master life on our own terms. That's a decent summary, and it's kind of incomplete, of course. The theology of the cross is God shows up in the midst of terribleness and still loves us. Theology of the cross is that God says you're not going to be alone. No matter how bad things are, no matter what you throw at me, I'm going to continue to persist, to be in relationship with you and love you. Not because you deserve it, but because you belong to me. And I love you. And God is irrational when it comes to this. Completely irrational. Thank God for that. Go back to that question, what's the good news And I went back to the beginning part where this conflict with Israel and Palestine and what we desire is this cure. And I'm wondering if that's the wrong desire. 
What if instead healing is what we need? There's a difference between a cure and a healing. Anyone who has a chronic condition, anyone who has suffered pain for a long time, anyone who has something that is never going to go away understands the difference between healing and cure. There was this nice uh, summary. It said, curing means eliminating all evidence of disease while healing means becoming whole. Eliminating disease which is a physical thing, becoming whole. I can't tell you how many times I have visited people before they passed away. They were not going to be cured, but they were healed. They were able to be at peace. They were in right relationship with God and oftentimes with family members that those relationships have been frayed or broken for a long time. They had done what they were supposed to do. They were healed. What is healing about? It's about letting go of control, which is what we never really had to begin with anyway. It's a facade. And that's really difficult for all of us to accept and to deal with because as human beings, we like to have a sense of control because it gives us, I don't know, it just lets us know that the world is not as chaotic as it is. But it is chaotic. We don't have control. And that does not make us feel good. It's about, it's about trusting in God. It's about healing. It's about God being in our midst while the world is falling apart and our plans aren't working, and we feel lost. Yet that's where God is, ever-present. And if we go back to our reading, in the midst of betrayal and murder and political intrigue and relationships being broken and changes in power and moving and touching something holy and being struck down and all this kind of craziness that's going on, there's God in the midst. It's God just working with what's there. And it's not the whole story. It's just one little piece, just like our lives, which are a mess and broken and also full of joy and celebration and dancing Not because it's perfect, but because it's real. And that we know that God is with us. And God loves us. And God cares for us. And no matter what we do, God is there. That's what's the good news in our readings today. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at ChristHarrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. We're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg.
parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.